Blog Talk Radio. Truth Seeker, you are listening to the live internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. This is Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist. It is Sunday, January 7th of 2024. It's the first Sunday of the year. I'm excited to be with you today. We are talking about the seven plagues prophecy in the Book of Revelation. Let's get to it, discussion and analysis of the seven plagues prophecy. That's going to be our focus for today. I anticipate we'll have a little bit of a shorter program today. I'm getting over illness, but on my way to 100% health, so if I sound a little bit different, that is why. But excited to be focused on the book of Revelation today. Let us get to the seven plagues prophecy. So, When we're looking at the book of Revelation, we want to understand it. We want to know what its secrets are. One secret in the book of Revelation is that there are seven final plagues which culminate with the Battle of Armageddon. The seven seven final plagues are the wrath of God. There's the wrath of God, which is targeted to Team Satan. And there's the wrath of Satan, which is targeted to Team Jesus. Let's contrast those for a second. On, let's say it this way, at time one, we have the wrath of Satan. At time two, we have the wrath of God. At time one, we have the people of God. Who are the people of God? Those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, who are those individuals? All of the individuals who are victorious in Christ. So there are those individuals who are in Christ in heaven. We're not talking about them. We're talking about those individuals who are in Christ during the Great Tribulation, it includes the prophets, the teachers, the rest of the saints, and of course we hear in uh, elsewhere in the Bible, after the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, all Israel will be saved It includes the 144,000 as well. What's my take-home point? At time one, the Great Tribulation, that is a period of 42 months. So we learn that in the book of Daniel. We learn that in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 13, the 666 Antichrist prophecy, talks about the Antichrist will do whatever he wants for 42 months. 
We're told it'll happen for a hundred excuse me, 1,260 days in the 1,260 days prophecy. That's the wrath of Satan, the great tribulation, Revelation chapter 12. So we're contrasting the wrath of Satan with the wrath of God so that we understand that those are two different events. One event is a time of great distress for those who are team Jesus, that's the wrath of Satan. And the other event is a time of great distress for those who are team Satan, that's the wrath of God. Our focus today is on the wrath of God. The wrath of God, the seven final plagues. When I look at the book of Revelation, specifically talking about Revelation chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapters 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. So we're looking at Revelation chapters 13 to 19. There's several documentaries there. What am I saying? The angel of the Lord showed John the Revelator several visions back to back to back. Here's my take-home point. When we look at linear time, in other words, the chronology of events, we see the great tribulation followed by the marriage of the Lamb, followed by the wrath of God, that's the seven final plagues, which culminate with finally the battle of Armageddon. Let me say it again. The wrath of Satan is followed by the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb is followed by the seven final plagues. The seven final plagues culminate with the battle of Armageddon. After the seven final plagues, we go straight to the battle of Armageddon. It's the culmination of the wrath of God. Let me say those four events another way. So I just said the wrath of Satan is followed by the marriage of the Lamb, which is followed by the wrath of God, which is uh, followed by, in, in other words, it culminates with the battle of Armageddon. Let me say that same thing using other words. And again, it's not about Christianese. I want you to uh, wrap your brain around the language that makes the most sense to you. The Great Tribulation is followed by, and so I'm saying the same thing several different ways so that it connects to the language that makes the most sense for you. The Great Tribulation is followed by the Rapture. The Rapture is followed by the Seven Final Plagues. The seven final plagues are followed by the battle of Armageddon. That's what I see when we look at Revelation chapter 12 to 19. I think I said earlier 13 to 19, but I meant to say Revelation chapters 12 to 19. Let's contrast briefly the wrath of Satan and the wrath of God, and then we're going to go to the seven final plagues which are the wrath of God. 
they're immediately followed by the Battle of Armageddon. I think of it this way. It, the wrath of God culminates with the Battle of Armageddon, but first we have the seven final plagues. But the Battle of Armageddon is the culmination the culmination of the wrath of God. And, of course, that's distinct from the great white throne judgment, right? So that's distinct from what happens after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. But let's stay where we are um, talking about wrath. So why do we have the wrath of Satan? We have the wrath of Satan because he knows his time is short. He knows that he has a limited period of time, only 42 months until until his key players are destroyed and he is thrown into the bottomless pit. So the great tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan, is only 42 months. And during this period, during this period, he is targeting first Israel. And then the war is enlarged to include Christians. And so we have a war against Israel. It's enlarged to include a war against uh, all who have testimony for Jesus Christ, who refuse to take the mark of the beast, who refuse to worship the statue commissioned by the false prophet, the statue of the Antichrist. And this 42 months will be a time of great distress. The Bible tells us it will be a time of great distress like the world has never seen before and will never see uh now during the great tribulation Satan isn't targeting the antichrist Satan isn't targeting the false prophet the final pope Satan is targeting those who are team Jesus so it's not a time of great distress for those who take the mark of the beast it's a time of great distress for those who refuse the mark of the beast Now, that's discussed in Revelation chapter 12, the 1,260 days prophecy, and Revelation chapter 13, the 666 Antichrist prophecy. In Revelation chapter 14, we have two interesting documentaries. In a nutshell, after the tribulation ends, When the 42 days comes to a conclusion, that's the longest period of time that any saint will experience the wrath of Satan. Some will lose their lives during the Great Tribulation, as discussed in Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. Some will lose their lives because they refuse to bow down to the statue, because they refuse to... uh, I said bow down to the statue. I mean to say worship the statue. We don't know exactly what body movements will be required to communicate worship. In Nebuchadnezzar's day, 
when the musical instruments made sound, people had to bow down to that statue. Uh, we're not told in the 666 Antichrist prophecy what specific bodily movements or language or gesticulations will be required to uh, be in compliance with the requirements of the one world government led by the Antichrist, but we are told that people will be required to worship the statue, and we're told in Revelation 20, folks who don't do it will lose their lives. Now, not every Christian uh, or every person in Israel is going to lose his or her life, but some will. We know that for a fact. Now, for those of us who don't, we will make it the entire 42 months, and described in described in Revelation chapter 14, we have two documentaries. The first is the 144,000 First Fruits documentary. The second is the Earth Reap documentary. I just want to say in a nutshell what these are. Our focus today is the wrath of God. So the seven final plagues, the seven plagues prophecy, the seven plagues prophecy that documentary comes right after chapter 14. So let's talk briefly about what's in chapter 14. Again, the Earth Reap documentary preceded by the 144,000 First Fruits documentary. What are these documentaries about? All of the people targeted in Revelation chapter 12 and 13, all of the people targeted, so in other words, all of the Jews mentioned in Revelation chapter 12, all of the Jews in Israel, I'm not talking about Jews in the United States, Jews in Canada, uh, Jews in Africa, Jews in Australia, but we're talking about people of Jewish descent in Israel. During the time of the Great Tribulation, they are specifically discussed in Revelation chapter 12. All of those who will actually make it the entire 42 months are described in Revelation 14, verses 1 to 5. What happens to them? They're all saved. They're all saved when Christ returns. That's the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. By the way, they are also mentioned in the seven seals prophecy, but right now we're talking about Revelation chapter 14. What else is mentioned before the wrath of God? So again, the great tribulation, Jews are targeted, Jews in Israel, Revelation chapter 12. Christians are targeted, Christians worldwide, Revelation chapter 13. The 666 Antichrist prophecy. But after the Great Tribulation, all the individuals who made it to the end, in other words, all of us who survived the entire 42 months in those two groups described in Revelation chapters 12 and 13, we are discussed in Revelation 14. What about us is discussed? The reality of our participation in the first resurrection, the reality of us putting on our incorruptible bodies, the reality of every person who is Team Jesus 
and who makes it through the Great Tribulation, 100% of us, and there are two groups of us, 100% of us will transition from mortality to immortality and participate in a real event referred to as the first resurrection. In popular culture, folks talk about it as the rapture. I don't see that word in the Bible, but we're talking about the same thing. The first resurrection. The resurrection of what? So, of course, there's the resurrection of the dead. In other words, those who have a body that is dead, uh, a physical body that is dead, but they reside in a heavenly body in heaven. They also participate in the first resurrection. But specifically, Revelation chapter 14 is not talking about uh, those individuals, though they participate in the first resurrection as described in First Thessalonians chapter 4. But Revelation 14 focuses on what happens to those individuals targeted targeted by Satan and his agents, who are his agents. He has two flunkies, two key players during the Great Tribulation. Number one player, the Antichrist. Number two, the false prophet. They work together in tandem. So we see in Revelation chapter 12, then the wrath of Satan, the targeting of Jews in Israel. And we see in Revelation chapter 13 the targeting of Christians worldwide. In Revelation chapter 14, for 100% of individuals in these groups who make it to the end, we participate in the first resurrection. So the 144,000 first fruits prophecy, Revelation chapters uh, chapter 14, verses 1 to 5, chapter 14, verses uh, 6 to the end. That's the earth reaped prophecy. So what is the earth being reaped? Now let's talk about this because I believe that a large number of individuals who are here on the earth, we will be here during the Great Tribulation. Many of us will make it through the entire 42 months. Now, when we get to the end of the 42 months, if you are a Christian specifically, what happens to you? You participate in the first resurrection. Now, the reality of that is described in Revelation chapter 14. Let me share a key verse there about that. Revelation 14 verses 6 to 20. So the earth reap prophecy talks about the reality that when Jesus returns with the clouds, a couple of things are going to happen. Everyone who is team Jesus participates in the first resurrection. Everyone who is team Satan and who is there in Israel participates in the great wine press. That's where the two-edged sword that extends from the mouth of Jesus Christ is going to annihilate 100% of those in the armies 
of the world led by the Antichrist. So the earth is harvested, and the crop includes the wheat and the tares. But we're not talking about 100% of the wheat and 100% of the tares in the sense that Revelation 14, those two documentaries are focusing exclusively on what happens to those who survive the Great Tribulation who are Christians and those who are not Team Jesus, those who are Team Satan and who are there at the Battle of Armageddon, what happens to them? Now, uh, what's our point in looking at that briefly? Just getting an understanding of the timeline. So the wrath of Satan, the Great Tribulation, is followed by the first resurrection. After the first resurrection, after the first resurrection, then we have the seven final plagues. Then we have the Battle of Armageddon, and Jesus Christ brings back with him all his holy ones to participate in the Battle of Armageddon. All his holy ones. What's all? All means all. 100%. That's in Revelation chapter 19. But let's get to the seven final plagues. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to those who are team Satan? Okay, and just for your for your knowledge, if you are interested in seeing the reality of the first resurrection in Revelation 14, Revelation 14, verses 15 and 16. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, that's Jesus Christ, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. Now notice it says the crop on earth. There are those in Christ who are not on earth, you say, well, where are they, research scientists? They're in heaven, right? So it says the crop on earth is ripe. Then it says, so the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. Then verse 17, so that's the first resurrection. That's the first resurrection right there. Now, What's going to happen to those who are Team Satan after the Great Tribulation? So those who are Team Satan after the Great Tribulation, specifically those who are Team Satan and in the armies of the Antichrist, they have an immediate, they have an immediate experience that they are going to have, which is their destruction. They're going to experience the first death. So. We experience a transition from mortality to immortality, and those who are at Jerusalem, that's when I say we worldwide, Christians worldwide, Christians worldwide, and 100% of those who survived in Israel, 100% of the Jews who survived up until uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ, they are there defending the temple, believing for Messiah to return. 100% of them are saved as well. That's described in Revelation 14. About the Jews who make it to the end, that's Revelation verses 1 to 5 
of chapter 14. Now, what about those who are team Satan? Let's hear that. Those who are team Satan in Israel right before, uh, right after the great tribulation and before the wrath of God, it says in Revelation 17, after that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. Now, the clusters of grapes, this refers to the various armies sent by the nations of the world to fight on behalf of the Antichrist. And here's what happens, verse 19. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the wine press outside the city. What city is that? Jerusalem. And blood flowed from the wine press in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. Now, on Thursday I talked about how at the end of lots of the documentaries in the book of Revelation, there are 12 of them, beginning with Revelation chapter 5 and ending with verse 5 of Revelation chapter 22. At the end of a lot of these documentaries, we get a very quick snapshot of another documentary. So here at the end we get a snapshot of the Marriage Supper documentary. So we hear about what happens at the Battle of Armageddon, but this is not the Battle of Armageddon prophecy. But we just give a little quick reference to it. Again, where's the reference to it? Revelation 14, verses 19 to 20. But the actual Battle of Armageddon prophecy, that's the Marriage Supper prophecy, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. Where are we in time? We have just discussed the fact that the first resurrection has happened, and then we get a little uh, snapshot of uh, the Battle of Armageddon, but that's in the future. Let's, let's stay in the chronology. Let's stay in the chronology. We have the Great Tribulation. That's the wrath of Satan. Ex- After that ends, once we reach the end of the 42 months, the first resurrection happens. That's described here in Revelation chapter 14. If you want to see where you are in Revelation 14, if you are in Christ, where are you after the great tribulation? You've survived it. You made it. You lived in a nation that did not align with the one world religion. Or you moved to a place where you were able to escape. You you came out of the system. You did not participate in uh, the one world government or the one world economy or the one world religion that's going to dominate political, economic, and religious affairs during the Great Tribulation. Where are you once that Great Tribulation ends? Where are you in Bible prophecy Where are you in the book of Revelation? You are Revelation chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. You are a participant in the first resurrection. So, again, the first resurrection is described in great detail in 1 Thessalonians uh, 
First Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay. Now, after we participate in the first resurrection and we meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, what happens to those people who are on the earth? Now, who's going to be on the earth after the first resurrection? All who were deceived. All who were deceived. In other words, the people who they failed to make the first resurrection, they took the mark of the beast. Uh, let's hear what awaits them. Revelation chapter 16. Here are the seven final plagues, the wrath of God, the wrath of God. Revelation 16, verse 2 says, So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. So a cancerous sore. It says horrible malignant sores. That's a cancerous sore. Malignant means cancerous. A cancerous sore breaks out on everyone who has the mark of the beast. Now, that's a reason to not take the mark of the beast, just that alone. Uh, uh, the key reason is it uh, disqualifies you from participation on the new earth, right? It makes you a child of Satan, in which case a person has forfeited the opportunity to become a child of God. Um, but let's say a, a person cannot get to all of that, but simply says, hey, I don't want cancer. Cancer is bad. I'm sure of that. Well, anyone who takes the mark of the beast and who survives the entire period of the Great Tribulation is going to get a cancerous sore on his or her body. Now, you might say, I doubt it. Let's hear it again. Revelation 16, verse 2, so the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth, and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone. What does that mean? Everyone on the earth. Who's on the earth? It says, out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. This is the wrath of God. Who's it targeted towards? Those who are team Satan. Let's hear the next one. There's seven of these. The first four focus on what happens to individuals and the community affecting individuals. And then the last three focus on what happens to leadership in Satan's kingdom. So let's hear the second one. Verse 3 of chapter 16 in the book of Revelation. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and everything in the sea died. Okay. So everything in the sea is going to die, and seawater, instead of being blue or a brown color, is going to be like the blood of a corpse. Revelation 16, verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. So this is all water, right? So if you look at all bodies of water, there's uh, salt water seas, and then there's fresh water, rivers and springs. Okay, so first we heard about the seas, that salt water. Now we're hearing about the fresh water. Here it is again, Revelation 16, verse 4. 
Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs, and they became blood. How many of us know that's not a good thing? You know, water is so important that in addition to us paying taxes so they can pump it into our homes, many of us spend extra money to get special spring water or distilled water or alkaline water or electrolyte water. We pay to get extra fancy water. That's how important it is. But for those folks who are Team Satan, the water is going to be like blood, not only the seawater but the fresh water, the water in the springs and the rivers. Let's go to the fourth final plague. Revelation 16, verse 8, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. Now let's pause here for a second. I I studied and prayed and researched for a long time. I continue to do that with the book of Revelation and the Bible in its entirety, but particularly on the book of Revelation, uh, I'm normally in it every day. Every day, uh, believing God to unlock the secrets uh, for me so that I can share it with God's people, share those secrets with you and God's people. Now listen, it says here, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. I notice in the book of Revelation, sometimes it says everyone except those whose name whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It doesn't say that here. It does not say that here. It says, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. This is one of two key verses in the seven plagues prophecy that caused me to be persuaded that we will not be on the earth during the seven final plagues, although we will already be in our incorruptible bodies. Did you hear me? Now, you might say, I don't believe that. You have to decide what you believe. You have to decide what you believe. I'm just letting you know why I think that. And one of the two key verses that causes me to believe that is because it says, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. The seven final plagues uh, are a time of great tribulation for those who are team Satan. And it says here, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire. It could have said, causing it to scorch everyone with its fire, except those who did not take the mark of the beast or except those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, like it says elsewhere, but it says everyone. I believe it says everyone because it means everyone. And who's everyone? Everyone on the earth at that time. Who's everyone on the earth? Everyone who failed to make the first resurrection, all the fools, all those who were deceived by Satan, all of those on their way to the bottomless pit, in anticipation of the great white throne judgment. Let's keep going. Uh, It says after that, about these folks, everyone who is uh, scorched by the sun, 
by the fire of the sun. Verse 9 says, immediately after, everyone was burned. How many people know God's not about to burn his people? Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues. So they know God is in control of these plagues, and they know that they are team Satan. And instead of them repenting, what does it say here? They did not repent of their sins and turn to God and give him glory. Now, why didn't they repent? Because they're deceived. They have the beast DNA. They are sold out to Satan. Now, those are the first four of the seven final plagues. Again, the first one is a cancerous sore on the body of every person who took the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation. The second and third one, uh, blood, the, the water in the sea turns to blood. That's number two. Number three, the water, the fresh water in the rivers and springs turns, uh, it becomes like blood. And the fourth final plague is the sun gets so hot. It gets so hot that it scorches everyone. It scorches everyone on the earth. Um, and they get horrible sunburn. They get a horrible sunburn, and then they get mad. <laughs> but instead of them repenting, um, they curse God. Yes, all of the fools. Now, the third, the last three of the seven final plagues, these are plagues that affect leadership of Team Satan. So we have heard what happens to the children of Satan during the wrath of God with respect to the seven final plagues. But what happens to leadership in Team Satan uh, with the wrath of God, specifically the seven final plagues? Revelation 16, verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Now let's say you wanted... No, let's not talk about it that way. Let's talk about it this way. One tactic in war is to uh, handicap the enemy by causing a blackout to happen. Now, I live here in the United States of America. Maybe you do too, or maybe you live in Canada. We have some friends in uh, Canada and Mexico and the U.K. and Africa, PGN uh, friends and family. Maybe where you are, um, there are blackouts. Where I am, people have speculated that the blackouts are political in nature. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know whether they are or aren't. But here we see it certainly is. It's certainly political. God is coming. Jesus Christ, both the Son of God and the Son of Man, he's coming to establish his government on this present earth, he's coming to put down the governments of men and to establish the government of God. So his first act, his first act of war is to cause a blackout. It's to cause a blackout at the headquarters of the Antichrist. Now, you might say that doesn't sound... Uh, 
That doesn't sound spectacular to me. It sounds spectacular to me. How many of us know you need power uh, for weapon systems? You need power to keep the lights on. You need power to keep water filtration plants running. You need power for any type of technology that doesn't run by solar or battery. That's pretty much 99% of most things. So let's hear it again. The fifth final plague is a blackout, supernatural blackout caused at headquarters of the Antichrist. Revelation chapter 16, verse 10, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. That's the location of the beast, where the beast is. And it says, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Darkness. That's like if someone was uh, someone was anti-America and all of a sudden Washington, D.C. has a blackout. Now, God forbid, God forbid. But that's essentially the equivalent of something like that. Um, then it says, uh, his subjects ground their teeth in anguish, and they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and sores, but they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Okay, what's the sixth plague? Verse 12 of chapter 16 says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies towards the west without hindrance. So the sixth final plague is the supernatural drying up the Euphrates River. Now, I'm not talking about um, water levels uh, decreasing significantly. We're talking about a supernatural drying up. So the Euphrates River, a path will dry up in it 100% supernaturally uh, when the angel follows the instruction of the Lord. And the purpose of that is because Jesus Christ has decided where he wants to fight. You know, Jake Paul is doing this or that with uh, boxing. He decides where he wants to fight. Then these folks come from here and there, and they come to wherever he says because they want to fight Jake Paul. They want to get that money. They want to get things uh, done. They want to get those belts. You know, it goes on like that. They have to come to where Jake Paul is. He's the greatest at what he's doing with uh, boxing, you know, in his arena, in his arena at this time. They come to where he wants them to come to fight. Jesus Christ is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He has decided where he wants to fight the Battle of Armageddon. And so without his enemies realizing or understanding his plans, they follow exactly what he wants them to do. And what does he want them to do? He wants their armies to march toward the west without hindrance. So he causes an entire gigantic river, the Euphrates, to dry up supernaturally. And what do they do? They fall right into the trap that Jesus has set for them. And uh, the kings from the east are going to march their armies towards them. Now, verse 14 says, 
to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. To gather them for battle, what battle are we talking about? We're talking about the battle of Armageddon against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. Now, don't get confused here. Sometimes people, when they hear judgment day, they're thinking about the great white throne judgment. So there are two judgment days described in the book of Revelation. There's the judgment day, which is the battle of Armageddon. That's where the Antichrist is going to be destroyed. The false prophet is going to be destroyed. In other words, they're going to be defeated and they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And 100% of these armies led by the Antichrist, they are going to experience the first death. Now, the people in the armies aren't going into the lake of fire with the Antichrist and false prophet. They're simply going to uh, experience the first death. They're going to die like any person uh, who dies in war. Um, when they die, because they will have taken the mark of the beast, they're going to go to uh, the bottomless pit. So they'll be a prisoner in Hades until the time of the great white throne judgment. That's a different judgment. So the great white throne judgment is a different judgment. That's when all of those who are team Satan are resurrected for the purpose of standing before God and having their cases heard to decide, hey, do you go to Gehenna, the lake of fire, or do you go to the new earth? And we know 100% of the people who participate in the great white throne judgment, they actually go to Gehenna 100%. So uh, not good if somebody's going to participate in the great white throne judgment. Okay, sixth final plague, we heard it. It's the supernatural drying up of the Euphrates River. Now, listen, don't get confused. Sometimes people are looking at uh, different things happening with the Euphrates River, and they say, oh, it's the prophecy coming to pass. It's not the prophecy coming, uh, it's not the prophecy coming to pass. Um, water levels are decreasing around the world here and there. People are putting in dams, this or that. Uh, this is a supernatural drying up of the Euphrates River, um, and it happens at exactly the right time, uh, that time today. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, verse 16 says, And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. So all of the armies that the different nations of the world have sent because they are part of uh, Satan's counterfeit new world order, because they believe in the Antichrist, they have taken the mark of the beast, they have made the one world religion the national religion of their countries. Um, all these rulers and their armies are gathered to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. That is a place in Israel. So the Battle of Armageddon is local. It will be fought only there in Israel. It will not be fought in Canada or Australia or China or Japan or the United States or Bolivia. You know, we can keep going on like this um, Folks, don't get upset when you look at the book of Revelation and there's uh, focus on specific subgroups 
of individuals or specific locations, this does not mean that you are not in the book of Revelation or that you are not important to God, but it means that God wants his people, all truth seekers, all who are children of God, to know the key events that are happening that will affect everyone wherever you are in the world. Sometimes I see folks trying to turn Scripture into something about them when it's not them. That's wrong. When we look at Scripture, we ought to make our minds up to understand what is God saying, and uh, we don't try to – there's a movie where they saw pie everywhere. They saw that number 3.14, and it goes on. That person was seeing pie everywhere. Every scripture is not about uh, Christians, and every scripture is not about Jews. (laughs) Every scripture is not, and we can keep going on like that, every scripture is not about, you know, okay, I'll pause there. Let's get to the seventh and final play. Revelation 17, uh, uh, verse 17 of chapter 16 says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, it is finished. Now I want to pause here for a second. My perception is that the seven final plagues culminate with the battle of Armageddon. Now we heard the end of the earth reap prophecy and how that gave a snapshot of the battle of Armageddon. Uh, the Marriage Supper Prophecy, which is documentary or prophecy number nine in the book of Revelation. The Earth Reap Prophecies, prophecy number six. Now we're in prophecy number seven, the seven final plagues prophecy. By the way, if you want to see the one-page basic study notes, you can find them for free. Everything on PGN is free. There's no merchandising at PGN. Everything is 100% free. Ministry is 100% free. Study notes, 100% free. Participation in PGN as a a PGN friend or family member, 100% free always. So you can get these basic study notes at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. If you want these specific verses, uh, the name of the prophecy we're talking about, where you can find it in the book of Revelation, the key phrases, all that's there, the one-page basic study notes. So here we are. We're about to talk uh, uh, here and talk about the seventh final plague. My perception is that the seventh and final plague includes several things, and it is immediately followed by the Battle of Armageddon. So in that way, my perception is that it culminates with the Battle of Armageddon. But let's hear exactly what is said here. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple, saying, It is finished. Then the thunder crashed and rolled in lightning flashed. And a great earthquake struck. The worst since people were placed on the earth. Now let's pause for a second. The sixth and final plague was the supernatural drying up of all the uh, the supernatural drying up of the river Euphrates, and that 
sixth and final plague discussion about it ended with, and the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Okay, so they are there. They are there. They are there at that place, Armageddon, that place in Jerusalem, a physical location on this present earth. It's time for war. Now, it's time for war. What happens? We just heard the thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and a great earthquake struck. This earthquake is also referenced in Zechariah. And it says here, and a great earthquake struck the worst since people were placed on the earth. Then it says, the great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So this is telling us what happens many places on the earth, and we heard that the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. You might say, well, research scientists, is that the United States? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't see that here. But it says the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. Now, we do see elsewhere in the Bible where we're told that certain nations, when Jesus returns, they're going to be destroyed forever. But this is telling us the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. And before that, it says, the great city of Babylon split into three sections. Now, in February, we're going to be talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy. That is Revelation chapter 17 and 18, the first five verses of chapter 19. But uh, that prophecy is about Mystery Babylon. I'm just going to say here, Mystery Babylon is wrong. Headquarters for the Harlot Church the one world religion during the Great Tribulation, I believe the book of Revelation reveals that the headquarters for the Harlot Church during the Great Tribulation is Rome. The city of Seven Hills is mentioned uh, in the book of Revelation where they wear purple and scarlet. The bishops and cardinals of the religion that comes out of Rome, headquarters, for the harlot church during the great tribulation leadership wears purple and scarlet the exact colors mentioned in the bible that they wear the city of seven hills rome is known as the city of seven hills listen we can't talk about every documentary uh in its entirety on every program but let's talk about right now what happens when this seventh and final plague is released so it's mentioned one of the things that happens is that the headquarters of the Harlot Church, Rome is split into three sections. It's also mentioned that the cities of many nations fall into heaps of rubble. And then it says, there was a terrible hailstorm and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. Woo. So the seventh final plague, what is it? Well, it's accompanied by thunder and lightning, 
It includes a great earthquake. It's the worst earthquake that has ever happened. So what is it on the Richter scale? Is it a 10? I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's higher on the Richter scale than any earthquake that we've ever had. Now, who's on the earth at this time? All who failed to participate in the first resurrection. What are they going to experience? A great earthquake. We're told that this earthquake is so great in magnitude that the cities of many nations fall into heaps of rubble. So these cities will be no more. No more. And specifically, one city, the great city of Babylon, it says in verse 19 of chapter 17, splits into three sections. What else? We're told there was a terrible hailstorm. So not only is there an earthquake, but there's a hailstorm. It says, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. Now, if 75 pounds just kind of bumps into me, that's going to be impactful. But imagine 75 pounds descending from the earth, and, and as it descends, uh, descending from the sky, as it descends and velocity picks up, the impact of that is going to be greater on, on the target that it hits. Now, I'm not a physicist. I can't calculate exactly what that is going to mean um, in, ter in terms of the impact of the force, but even with my rudimentary knowledge of physics uh, and, and yours too, I believe we can understand if 75 pounds hits someone on the head, that person is done, <laughs> sadly. That person is done. If seventy-five, if a seventy-five-pound hailstone drops on the house that I'm in right now, wherever that drops, that part of the house is done. This is significant. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as the Lamb of God. That the second time, he's coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Why? He's coming to fight and win a war. What war? The Battle of Armageddon. And these are events that immediately precede the Battle of Armageddon. These are the events that immediately precede the Battle of Armageddon. He says, okay, I gave you a blackout, letting you know, Satan, it's about to be lights out. Antichrist, your time of ruling this earth, is coming to an end. It's about to be it's about to be lights out. And then he leads them they will foolishly follow the direct path to come straight to Armageddon. Straight to the location in Jerusalem where the battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. And when they get there, when it's game time, you know, when there's a huge boxing match and the lights go out and then they have the music come on and sometimes the fighters come out and they have you know, people to the left or the right, and they have the music going, and they're dancing, and it's loud, and it's, it's an excitement. There's an excitement with the Battle of Armageddon. The thunder is crashing and rolling. The lightning is flashing. This is beyond the Renaissance tour. This is beyond the Eras tour. This is the war to end all wars. They have been gathered together 
who? All those who are against God, the enemies of God, those who have pledged allegiance to the Antichrist, and it's time for Jesus to fight and win the battle of Armageddon is going to be extremely exciting, extremely exciting. And we're going to see in Revelation 19 when it's time to fight the battle of Armageddon, after the seventh and final plague, he brings with him all his holy ones. Are you one of his holy ones? I believe you are. If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, if it's not, you need to get that done. You need to make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because if you have not been recruited to Team Jesus, that means that Satan has you on his roster. On somebody's roster, uh, friend and truth seeker, don't be deceived. You might say, I'm agnostic. I don't know whether we can know whether God exists or not. Do not be deceived by the wisdom of man. Do not let Satan trap you with fancy arguments given by individuals who have many letters behind their names or perhaps they're particularly articulate or especially gifted uh, with how they are able to present information. Maybe they're persuasive because of their lineage or their look or some combination. Listen, if you are not on Team Jesus, that means you, Satan has you on his roster. That means you're on his team. You're wearing his jersey. You're wearing Satan's jersey if you are not on Team Jesus. Now, you might say, well, I believe that Jesus existed. Listen, in, there are other religions where Jesus is written in their book. There are people who say, yes, Jesus was a good man. No, Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is the son of God. If you don't have the son, you don't have the father. There's only one way to get into right standing with God the father, and that's through mediation. You can only have a successful mediation using Jesus Christ as your mediator. In 1 Timothy, we're told Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. I hope that you will consider I hope that you will consider which of these two teams you're on, and I hope that you will receive the truth that you're wearing someone's jersey. You're wearing someone's jersey. I hope it's the right one, friend. Now, let's keep going. Verse 21 says, There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. That is the seventh and final plague. I want to share with you uh, briefly that's the seventh prophecy in the book of Revelation. We just heard the seven final plagues. We didn't hear the prophecy in its entirety. It begins with verse 1 of Revelation 15, and it ends with uh, the last verse of Revelation 16. So all of Revelation chapters 15 and 16, that's the seven plagues prophecy. We heard each of the seven final plagues today today. Uh, 
Now let's let's end this timeline. Let's end this timeline talking about the Battle of Armageddon. I share with you that God brings back with him all his holy ones, and that that includes you. Let's go to the Marriage Supper Prophecy. Uh, but let me share with you First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, May he as a result make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. When our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Now let's go to Revelation 19 and hear about the reality of the Battle of Armageddon. So the Battle of Armageddon prophecy begins with Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, and it ends with verse 21. And it says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Now what happens after the seven final plagues prophecy? Then we hear more details about what happens to the headquarters of the Harlot Church. So there's this great prostitute, the one world religion that's going to deceive so many Christians, and it's going to deceive, of course, those who are in many different false religions. They're going to make agreements to come up under this one harlot church led by the false uh, prophet, the final pope. So... We get details on how God will destroy the headquarters of the Harlot Church um, in the eighth documentary. And it's mentioned briefly, right, at the end of the seven plagues prophecy, which says, oh, and Babylon was destroyed. There's a great earthquake. Babylon splits into three sections. So we get a quick snapshot of it. But the details of it are described great uh, in great um in a great and wonderful way, we get many details in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. It's all about that. And then after that, we get the Battle of Armageddon. So in February, we're going to focus on the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy. But for completion's sake for today, understanding the timeline of what does it mean for you as a believer? So you make it through the Great Tribulation, 42 months. You participate in the first resurrection. After you participate in the first resurrection, there are the seven final plagues that those on the earth, not you, those on the earth at that time, all who failed to make the first resurrection, those who were uh, left behind, if you will, the seven final plagues that they experienced. Now, when does your participation on the earth begin again? Let's hear it. 
Revelation 19, verse 6, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. And what is this talking about? The bride, the bride is all who were in Christ who participated in the first resurrection. So the first resurrection is the marriage of the Lamb. Now, time for the marriage supper. So there was the marriage. Now it's time for the marriage supper. So you get married, maybe that happened at 10 a.m., or maybe you have uh, a 3 p.m. wedding. Now it's 6 p.m., it's time for dinner. Now it says here, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and the bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So what are you wearing to the Battle of Armageddon? White. White. You're going to have a white outfit. It's going to be the finest of pure white linen. Now, don't text me talking about your favorite color or something else. Um, Not that I'm not interested in what your favorite color is, but this is the outfit. When people go to war, they have gear that they uh, are outfitted with, and they have a uniform that they wear. What is the uniform, what's the outfit for those who are Team Jesus at the time of the Battle of Armageddon? What are we wearing? We're wearing all white the finest of pure white linen. And it says that that's to symbolize our good deeds. It says, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Kind of like, you know, when you watch a movie, sometimes they put the bad guy in a dark color outfit and the good guy in a light color outfit. Or they present the person who's maybe loose and promiscuous in a red outfit and they present the person who's, you know, modest and this or that in a light color outfit. Listen, I have not made any of these decisions. I'm I'm hoping you're excited about the reality that you will be here for the Battle of Armageddon. Then it says in verse 9, And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. Now, uh, then it says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Then it says in verse uh, 13, He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. Now listen, we're told the outfit that 
the saints are going to wear for the Battle of Armageddon. Then we're told the outfit that Jesus Christ is going to wear. Then we're told the outfit of the armies, the people who are in the armies of God, the outfit that they are going to wear. So they're going to have on the finest of pure white linen. We are going to have on the finest of pure white linen. Jesus is going to have a robe dipped in blood. Now you might say, who specifically um, in heaven are in God's armies? I don't know the answer to that question. I think that's an excellent question. Will it include some of the saints? Maybe. Will it include all of the saints? I don't think so. Because we have here a reference uh, a reference earlier to God's holy people. Then we have a different reference later to the armies of heaven. Keep going. Then it says in verse 15, from his mouth, talking about Jesus Christ, came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. Then it says in verse 16, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then verse 17, now here's the reality. This is the battle of Armageddon in a nutshell. In a nutshell. So what are we talking about? The wine press. We're talking about a local battle. The war to end all wars, we're not in Washington, D.C. We're not in Vancouver. We're not in Tibet. We're not in Lagos. We're not in Dubai. We're in Jerusalem, a specific location where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought and won. Now, why is this called the wedding feast? Here's the answer, verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Now, don't don't hang up the phone. Don't turn off the Internet. Don't turn off your computer. Gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Now, this great banquet... We are in attendance, but who who's told to come? It says the vultures. This is a banquet for vultures. Now, friend and truth seeker, you know that God is a God of order. He has a clean-up plan for all of these bodies, all of these people who have given themselves to his enemy. He's forced to destroy them. They have rejected his invitation for sonship. They have rejected God, and they have embraced Satan. They are on his roster. They have the beast DNA pumping through their veins. They must be destroyed, and they will be destroyed. Now, God has a cleanup plan. Who's on the cleanup committee? The vultures. This banquet, the wedding feast, the wedding feast is for the vultures. Why? They're on the cleanup committee. Now, Let's hear it again. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures, flying high in the sky, come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast. And the kings of the world in their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. It's game day and game time. It's game day and game time. 
The battle of Armageddon has started. The clock has started. The clock has started, and we see here on the earth, on one side, Jesus and the armies of heaven. On the other side, the Antichrist, the kings of the world, and their armies on the other side. Now what happens? Verse 20, and the beast, talking about the Antichrist, and the beast was captured. Last night I was watching football, and the quarterback, he threw a a winning pass in the first uh, couple minutes. It happened really fast. It might have been in the first two minutes. I can't say for sure, but it happened really fast. I, You know, we don't have a, an exact timing written here, but the first thing we're told is, okay, everybody's in position. It's game time. And then the next thing, and the beast was captured. The Antichrist will be defeated. It's not going to be hard for Jesus Christ to defeat the Antichrist. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. Who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue coughing so I keep putting myself on mute so you don't hear me coughing friend and truth seeker what's the take home point at the battle of Armageddon The Antichrist and the false prophet are captured and destroyed. In all of the armies, they lose their lives. Let's hear the rest of the prophecy. Verse 20, and the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive. into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Now, certainly, we are not going to gorge ourselves on dead bodies. We are not the cleanup committee, when I say we, Talking about believers, we are not the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon. No, we have on our white outfits. The vultures are the cleanup committee. And the banquet is a feast for them. Now, you might say, research scientists, this is really gruesome. 
friend, war is gruesome. The Battle of Armageddon is the war to end all wars. We'll never have another war after the Battle of Armageddon. We look forward to the peace that will be ushered in after Jesus Christ fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. Isaiah chapter 9 says, And of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. So this peace begins when the Battle of Armageddon is fought and won. I hope that this has been a good talk for you. Thank you for being with me and with us. We're going to continue with more discussion and analysis of the seven plagues prophecy on Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Time, that's 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and next Sunday at 12 noon Texas Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for being with me, friend and truth seeker. If you haven't done so yet, according to Jeremiah 33.3, I urge you to call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. God bless you and thank you.